1: brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And it is my absolute passion to hope that some of these people that we bring on the show are going to inspire you to help you become more aligned with your career and just help you to find the will to get up and be happy when you go to work in the morning. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Michael O'Brien. And I love his title, Chief Ripple Officer at Pause, Breathe, Reflect. With a background in executive leadership, diversity, equity and inclusion, advocacy, endurance sports and meditation instruction, Michael empowers companies to transform challenging moments into opportunities for growth, ensuring positive momentum. I am so excited to talk to Michael today. Thank you for joining us.
0: Casey, thanks for having me. I can't wait to get into our conversation. We have a lot to talk about and to cover. So again, thanks for having me on your show.
1: How did you come up with the title Chief Ripple Officer? I love that.
0: Well, I decided I could come up with my own title running my own businesses. Back in the day, my corporate life, they gave you a title. You didn't really have a lot of agency. And so there's a story about a time when i was younger my grand grandma grammy in the mountains we used to call her up in new hampshire she had this beautiful farm and a beautiful old barn and this pond in the back and i would go to that pond and i would skip stones i, I wanted to become the guinness book a world record uh, stone skipper you know like how many ripples i could create and so that notion of rippling was energy it was a physics exercise before i knew anything about physics but that whole concept of rippling stayed with me from when I was a young kid to today and I believe that we can all show up and put an energy, a ripple of energy into the world and we get some say in what that looks like.
1: I think that's beautiful, you know, and I love that because I talk about the ripple effect all the time because, and you don't have to know the outcomes of the ripples that you put in motion, right? In um, just a real quick example, we had a women's event um, last year and we were raising uh, diapers for an organization that rescues um, women from human trafficking. And they usually come with kids, right? And so we gathered diapers for them. That was the donation, you know, for attending the event if you wanted to donate. What I didn't know until about three months later is there was another organization that was attending They put it out to their network and ended up raising five times the amount of diapers that we did.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great ripple. I, to your point though, you don't know where it will travel. So each day when we wake up, we get to decide what kind of ripple we want to put into the world. Yeah. You can put a ripple of goodness into it. You can put a ripple of like, not so much, not so great. Both will carry and we hope that more people wake up each day and put a ripple of goodness in because I think the world needs one right about now. So yeah, I love I love that story. Like it was such the a multiplier effect yes. to that ripple. That's really cool.
1: You know, and some people might look at that and go, Oh my god, they outdid us and we were like, Yes, go, keep going, you know.
0: I that's that's my approach. I believe like I know what I can do, show up, put a good ripple out there, try to make more ripples as I go forward. But in the scheme of life, there are people that have maybe a different enterprise, more leverage, they can create a bigger ripple. And I would say, Hey, join the party. Like as many ripples as we can, we can put out there in the world. It creates big waves and big waves make some pretty impressive change and and again, I believe in this whole rising tide lifts all ships type of analogy. So I'm all for it. So come on. It's not a competition. We don't have to compete with the size of our ripples. Just the fact that we're putting something good into the world is just enough to be part of the whole game.
1: You know, I love what you just said there. We don't have to compete with the size of our ripples. That's that's pretty yeah. profound. <laughs> love. Yeah, we,
0: we, you know... I think it really gets to the difference between like a scarcity mindset and a growth mindset or abundant mindset. You know, a lot of books written about mindset, Yes. Uh, Carol DeWick's mindset book is one, but if you look at life through the lens of scarcity, then it's a red ocean type of thing. You're competing against everyone. But if you can take more of a say a blue ocean strategy or more of a growth or abundant mindset, then you can really start to expand, you know, the effect of your ripple. You don't have to compete against one another. There's there's plenty of opportunity for all of us if we just show up in the way that I think we can and put some, as I've mentioned already, some goodness into the world.
1: I love that. And I know that you're doing that every single day. I'm looking at some of your uh, decorations behind no bad days, pause, (laughs) breathe, reflect. That's all amazing. But I mean, something happened to get you there. So if I remember correctly, it was July 11th, 2001. You got into a horrible accident and almost didn't make it. So you call this your last bad day. How did you Can share a little bit what happened and then can you share how you managed to shift your mindset in the aftermath of such a traumatic setback?
0: Yeah. So the short answer is I didn't do this alone, although it's just you and I chatting right now, this is a whole team effort to this project. So take you back to 2001, we were at a pretty traditional company offsite meeting in New Mexico north of Albuquerque, south of Santa Fe, one of those Monday through Friday type of affairs, Thursday afternoon, you're going to go golfing. I've been an avid cyclist my whole life. So I bring my bike out. So as others are going to golf, I'm going to go ride. I decided one morning on July 11th to do some early morning riding, get some miles in before they tried to torture us with PowerPoint and team building (laughs) activities and the whole thing. And that's when a Ford Explorer crossed the center line of the road and hit me head on. It was going about 40 miles an hour. To make a long story short, I broke a whole bunch of everything, including lacerating the femoral artery of my left leg. I was knocked unconscious, but I remember all the sounds and the feelings of the impact. When I regained consciousness, the EMT said, hey, listen, just try to breathe. We have called the medevac, the helicopter, to take you to the only trauma one center in the state, which was down in Albuquerque. First surgery took about 12 hours. I needed 36 units of blood product in those first 24 hours to save my leg, save my life. When my wife finally arrived from New Jersey, they said, we're really not sure how your husband survived. Had he been 10 years older or not in shape, he certainly would have died before he even got here because his injuries are so significant. And when they put me on the medevac, I remember this, Casey, like I remember just telling myself, like, listen, whoever's listening, I promise if I survive, it was a total bargain I was trying to make. If I survive, I promise I, I'll do this thing called life better. I, I won't chase the happiness thing that I was doing. Uh, back then, and I think it's even probably worse now for a lot of people, is that we believe our happiness is in the next promotion or merit badge, car, the list can go on and on. I was in that. That's what I thought success was. That's what I thought leadership was. You know, I grew up in the days of Jack Welsh and this is strong leadership and get as much stuff as you can, and you're going to be happy and successful. And so I was in the ICU. They came out of the ICU. They painted a pretty grim picture of my future. They said, hey, listen, by your injuries, you're probably gonna walk with trouble. You're never gonna ride your bike again, most likely. And you're gonna have a whole bunch of surgeries in front of you. Your life is gonna be a challenge. And I went pretty dark pretty quickly. I got angry, revengeful, the whole thing. Fast forward, one of my mentors said, hey, listen, you know, Michael, this is after they flew me back to New Jersey he said, "Everything in life is neutral until you label it." And at first, I was like, "What, what are you? What are you talking about? Like, what, is that some like Jedi Yoda thing we got going on here?" He's like, "No, everything is neutral until you label it. There's a space. Things happen in life all the time, and then we label them, especially as adults, pretty quickly." He said, "Right now, you're labeling yourself as a victim, and you have every right to do so. No one's going to argue with you with that because look at you." you're a mess. And I was like, well, thanks for that. (laughs) And then he said, maybe you can pick a different label. Maybe you can look at this differently. Maybe this happened for you rather than to you. Now that statement was a little too soon in my recovery. But I, I was starting to get the picture and I let that marinate for a bit. And then I realized, yeah, you know what, I can choose my labels in everything in life. I don't have to be so quick to label things as good, bad, or right, or wrong. So after a few weeks, I would look back on that day. I said, you know what? I'm gonna label that day my last bad day. Not because I'm denying reality or I believe in unicorns and rainbows, but there's a old parable about a warrior. It's first arrow, second arrow. You might know it, but it's basically the warrior goes into the woods, gets hit by an arrow, something happens to her, something happens to him, it causes great pain. Doesn't know where the arrow came from, but it's causing great pain. Those events happen in life, like my accident. The second arrow is the one that we shoot at ourselves. It's the arrow that the warrior shot at herself or himself. It's the, who shot this at me? Like, why did this happen? This is so unfair. I'm gonna get revenge on the person who shot this arrow. So we add to the suffering So we take a bad moment and we, through the second arrow, make it into a bad day. So I realized through the early stages of my recovery, I didn't have to shoot a second arrow at myself. I could deal with the pain I was in, I was accepting that, but I didn't have to add to it. So I didn't have to take that bad moment, my accident, and turn it into a bad day or longer, hence my last bad day.
1: I love that, you know, and I'm curious, so when your mentor shared that about, and I love how he phrased that about, you know, it's, it's neutral until you give it a label, right? That's a really interesting way to look at it. Um, did your mentor share that with you before or after you went to coaching school?
0: It was before coaching school. So I was doing my whole thing, working on my recovery, and he dropped that bomb, a good bomb on me, mm. that wisdom bomb. And then eventually, you know, I got, I used that as fuel. I used my meditation practice, my gratitude practice, and I went back to my corporate life. And I, but I began working on myself. As you know, I was doing the inner work, mm-hmm. the work of energy and, you know, mindset and all that jazz. And then fast forward almost 13 years later, after the accident, I came into a coaching program that we share. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're speaking my language. This is the language I was using, but I didn't have the framework Yeah. and they gave me a framework and I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. This really speaks to that ripple effect I'm talking about. So yeah, I was doing a lot of my own work because there wasn't there wasn't the resources that we have now. Like the internet was a little, like, you know, it was dated back then, you know, there were no Ted <laughs> hey, don't talks age that you could really us. pull
1: through.
0: <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it was back in seventh grade, Casey, like when we started, uh, but, but I was, I was trying to do my own work through books and talking to other people, but yeah, that, so he shared that with me before coaching. And then it was 13 years almost. And then I saw like, oh, wow, like, Maybe I can become a coach and do what I'm doing to
1: I love that. And, I, and yes, we share a mutual alma mater when it comes to coaching school. We both went to IPEC, which was why I asked that question, because basically they teach you in IPEC, there are different lenses in which you can view your perception of reality. And it absolutely changes with every choice you made. You made a choice not to be a victim. That changed your entire perception of reality
0: completely like, so not to get too far in the IPEC weeds, but I was level one, level two, like way down there, just catabolic energy. Then I found a way through my practices, my contemplative practices and just opening up my aperture, opening up my mindset to say, Hey, you know, there are different ways of looking at this. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, there's a belief in cycling that you go where your eyes go.
1: Mm That is basically true.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like if you're, if you're going down a straight road and there's a bend in the road, if you look straight ahead, guess what is going to happen? You're going to go right off the road into that tree. I've got to sort of, (laughs) yeah. You got to sort of tilt your head to get around the turn. So like perspective matters. So it's just like, you know, someone tells you, Hey, watch out for that curb or watch out for that lip in the sidewalk and you. You run right into it and you trip and you fall. Like So where we're looking, where we're placing our attention, right? our energy will flow from that. And in today's world, in today's business, we wanna have as much aperture, much as much awareness as possible so we can easily shift our perspective. Because if we get too caught up on thinking we have the right perspective, the only perspective, mm-hmm. then we limit ourselves and we limit our teams and we limit Our potential and how much we can grow. So yeah, so that that was key to my success as a corporate leader, and again, the type of work I'm doing today.
1: I love that. So when you're working with others, and and I actually had this question come up today. So you know, I in my day job I'm a recruiter, and so I work with a lot of candidates, most of whom are gainfully employed and just looking for their next opportunity. But some who aren't, some who are out of their other job for whatever reason, whether on their own or terminated, whatever the reason, but they're in transition. And I actually had this question posed to me today. They're like, what tips would you give to someone who's getting a little depressed because, and they had been at their job for a very long time, you know? So what tips would you give to that job seeker to help them get past that bad day? Well, there's a couple of different things.
0: One, I, I do believe in moving the body. Like the bo- Our bodies are meant to move. Now, not everyone can move their body in the same way as everyone else. But some movement gets the body going. So when we have like a lull in our attitude, and you know, we're, we're going through a moment, I try to f- help people find a way to have a little movement, get the body going. Also, connecting with people. We're social creatures. I think what we've learned through the pandemic is that we need connection. So Mm -hmm. a little movement, a little connection as a cyclist, I call that who's in your peloton, who are you riding with?
1: Oh, yes, I want to talk about this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so. um, So that's my little analogy for squad. But again, we'll get into that. So I start there: movement, connecting with people. um, Understanding that this is part of the process so it goes back to that question of reflection instead of thinking oh this is happening to me this is so unfair i can't believe why i got into this period of transition the question of reflection is well how could this be happening for me like what's the lesson what's the pearl in all this how can i see it differently so we got to shift our perspective so a practice of mindfulness can help so like those three things to start can be really wonderful to help people out of that wall. So they have the right type of energy as they go into a job interview.
1: Absolutely, and I wanted to go back for just one second to you mentioned catabolic energy. And for those that don't know what that is, catabolic energy is, it's destructive energy. It's not sustainable. So whenever you're in what we call level one, level two energy levels, those are catabolic. Those are extremely just solely catabolic. There's nothing anabolic, which is life sustaining about it. And so you are releasing endorphins that you can't like adrenaline and cortisol that you, you can't control. And so you need to get out of that response, get rid of that fight or flight in order to get back to neutral. Um, and so those, those levels, when you live there all the time, they're just not sustainable. They'll eat you alive.
0: They will. And the thing is we can pick up when someone's in that space, like we've all gone into a general session at a corporate meeting and the energy's low or an arena or an interview. And there's something's off, like the vibe isn't right. And if that's the case, then there's probably low levels of energy. We also have a very, as you know, you see a very me centric way of looking at the world. when we're in this low level of energy, great companies know how to cultivate higher levels of energy, which we get from me to we, more opportunity, more learning, and more possibilities. And when we're in those arenas or conference rooms or interviews, things just flow better. And everyone's energy starts bouncing off of each other, almost like, going back to what we talked about earlier, that ripple effect.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so I want to get into your analogy of the Peloton because your company is Peloton Executive Coaching, and I love that. And I know you're an avid cyclist. I, once upon a time, was an avid cyclist as well. Um, Haven't done that in a couple of years, and I'm just, I'm sitting here going, why not? You know? Um, But for those who don't know what a Peloton is, describe what that is before we get into the analogy.
0: Absolutely. So a Peloton is a group of cyclists in a bike race. So think the Tour de France. So all that pack of cyclists, or you might see one on the weekend as you drive through your town or neighborhood. A pack of cyclists gets about 5, 10 or higher, 50, 100. That's a Peloton. It's a French word. And so those cyclists are riding together. And then we can get further into the analogy. But that's what it is. I know a lot of people think of that company, that spin bike company, fine company, had a heyday in the during the pandemic. They have a virtual peloton, a whole bunch of people riding their stationary bikes all at the same time.
1: It, but And also there's a reason why, especially like Tour de France, let's stick with that because that's probably better known. There's a reason why the riders ride in a pack like that because they can draft off each other and save some of their energy, and then they can pull others along.
0: Yeah, there's an old African proverb, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together, except when you're talking about a cycling Peloton. (laughs) A cycling Peloton will always be able to go probably further together and also faster, because to that your point you just made, by drafting, we increase the overall speed and the people break, you know, catching the draft are saving energy. And so then there's a rotation that happens. This Mm -hmm. is the great thing about a Peloton is that the pack is always rotating. So there are people out in front, breaking the wind, people behind them resting, and then they trade off, they take turns. There's no like serious hierarchy, there's usually a team leader, but everyone's working together in community. And even Though there are different teams in that Peloton, they're still working together. They're still collaborating. They're pointing out road hazards. They're sharing different things. They're passing up bottles. So I see it as this fast-moving community of different teams. It gives me hope for us in the future that we can find a way to like, all right, ride together. Uh, You also need a whole bunch of trust because you're riding inches or from a Mm -hmm. European's perspective, centimeters away from each other. And you don't necessarily see what's up the road, but you have to trust that the person in front of you will guide you through any hazard. So to me, it's about who are you riding with in life? Are they bringing out the best in you? And are you bringing out the best in them? We go faster and farther together when we're in the right Peloton.
1: And I think that's so beautiful. And you know, when you asked me that question when we had our initial, and I always think about the average of the five people that you're around, right? And who's going to lift you up? But it's true that you've gotta be with those people that sometimes they take the lead for you. And you're, you need to be okay with that. You know, I struggle in a leadership role of always thinking I have to be the one to do it, but I have a whole peloton around me that sometimes this person moves to the front, sometimes this person moves to the front. You know, sometimes I get to sit back and rest, not very often, but sometimes, you know? Well, sometimes
0: it's needed because if you're trying to be out in front all the time, you are going to burn yourself out. And we see that happening throughout society. You know, for me, a great Peloton will have different roles. Like we need people in our lives that can help clarify things when it gets fuzzy or we don't know what to do. So that person in your Peloton that will ask you that brilliant question. Uh, we might have another person that can be there for us in a crisis or when we need comforting. And there can be a person in your peloton that can really challenge you to bring out the best in you. They'll get you outside your, as cliche as it sounds, your comfort zone. And we also have people in our peloton that can celebrate our wins and really celebrate us. Not try to steal the spotlight, if you will. So having different roles in your Peloton, just like the European Tour de France Peloton, that brings a lot of great diversity. And with that diversity, there's a little bit more cohesion. We start to work better because not everyone can play every role, even though sometimes we try.
1: You know, and that is one thing I've really been shedding. And the fact that I don't, it makes no sense for me to go, for example, we just designed a new website for a company that we just started. It makes no sense for me to go try to do that website because I'm clueless. I could spend hours learning how to do it, but why? Other people on the team already know how to do it. You know, I don't have to do everything.
0: So yeah, no, that's 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 the beauty of a Peloton. It's like you don't have to. But w- when you get to a point or a job responsibility that you are good at, it's your zone of genius, if you will. That's when you go out in front the wind for everyone else, they draft behind you. And now, now we're working together and there's some ah, there's some beautiful music that happens when we work together.
1: I, I love that analogy so much. That is so fresh, you know, and just one that I've not heard before. So I really love that. Tell us a little bit about Pause, Breathe, Reflect, the app.
0: Yeah. So when I was in the hospital and I had that big recovery in front of me, I felt completely overwhelmed, even after my mentor shared that great advice to say, Hey, you know what, everything's neutral, Michael. I was like, Okay, great. Uh, I can choose a different label for my day. But I still, I'm freaking out here, because there's so much in front of me, like, when am I going to get back on the bike and health? And how do I get back to my corporate job and travel? And So I took a page from my early days as a, as a youth in sports and what happens all the time in sports, whether it's amateur, like little league or the pros, when the game is going too fast, when things feel out of control, the coach calls a timeout Mm. and during the timeout, the coach will say, he or she will say, all right, let's just catch our breath. Let's slow things down. That's what the timeout's for less slow things down because we know from sport when the game is slower we perform better and so i pulled a page from you know way back in my youth i knew i had to come back to my breath take a breath much like the emts told me to do to slow the game down so i knew nothing about mindfulness back then except it was something that californians did after they had (laughs) their grape nuts or granola I, i didn't know you know, this is 2001, I didn't know any executives meditating, like, it was considered soft, and not good. And you're not going to do it, or at least you're not going to publicly share that you're going to do it. So that next morning, I just found a quiet place in the hospital and did a simple box breathing pattern that I knew about. And I slowed the game down. And I felt okay, I was like, okay, that felt good. Like, that felt good. I'm like, I'm calmer. Now. I'm I'm gonna think about how I wanna show up. What kind of ripple do I wanna put into my day, into my rehab? And I was like, wow, that felt so good today. I'm I'm gonna do that tomorrow. And then I just started adding some frequency to it. And back in the day, back in my corporate days, we had a metric, a KPI called profit before royalty. It was what we talked about in every meeting. And for people who have to deal with KPIs, sometimes you have a love-hate relationship with some of them. Mm -hmm. And I had a love-hate relationship with profit before royalty, but the acronym was PBR. And I was like, all right, how can I take that thing I love to hate and this thing that I love to do, and maybe there's like, maybe there's a relationship there. I was like, well, you know what? I'm pausing. I'm coming back to my breath. I'm coming back home. And I'm also reflecting before I get into my day. So, Hey, PBR pause, breathe, reflect. And that's how it started. And then a lot of people thought I was being funny because there's a beverage that many people know called PBR and that made it cute, but that's (laughs) really the origin is like that KPI that I love to hate turned into a practice. I love to do and share with others. It was like, all right, pause come back to your breath. And that moment of reflection is where you practice gratitude and you really think about, okay, what do I want to say or do next? So we don't lose it when we really can't afford to lose it.
1: I love that. And I've I've enjoyed your app. So thank you for sharing that with me. It's really good. And I like that you break it down. So like if I just need a minute or I need two minutes or just a little daily inspiration, it's very well thought out. So thank you for putting that ripple out into the world.
0: Well, it's for me, what I really try to do, like I'm not a monk, like there's a lot of meditation teachers out there that are former monks. And I try to make it really practical because I'm coming from the corporate world. Yeah. Like everything that I talk about and teach, I've pressure tested that in the real world because I didn't just leave the hospital and start doing this. I went back to my corporate life for 13, 14 years and pressure test tested all of this. And so, so many people came to me and come to me still to this day and say, Hey, you know what meditation, I think I might want to try to do it, but I don't have a lot of time in the morning. And I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, most people don't, but I bet you have five times throughout the day where you have like two minutes. So instead of doing 10 minutes in the morning, do 10 minutes throughout the day. Just take little mini breaks before a meeting or while you're in line, or before you walk into the house after coming home from work. There are plenty of times just like slow the game down so then you can really show up the way that you want to. so that's how the app's designed. Shorter practices, consistently with some frequency over time. And then it becomes just a hey, it's the way we're living, as opposed to what happens a lot is a transactional approach to life. I want people to really, uh, as they say, embody this. So it becomes like, no, this is just what I do. I just take a moment to PBR and I feel like I can have a clear head and make better decisions.
1: I like that you refer to it like an action verb, PBR. I'm going to go PBR, you know? That's really great. So we well, are almost out of time. Yeah, yeah. So I want to, I'm not going to be able to ask you all three of our VIP questions, but I definitely want to ask you one of them. So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
0: Oh, great question, Casey. I would say this, the power of a billion ripples.
1: Oh, that's good. I like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Look, clickbait. You know, people bring people in like, okay. So, cause I do believe like the work I'm doing and the work I'll continue to do, will put out a, a billion ripples cause we don't know how far our ripples go. So a billion sounds like a good number or maybe a trillion, who knows. Um, but those ripples will make the world better. I have faith in that. So I continue to put some ripples out there.
1: I love that. I'm gonna have to go put some ripples out tonight. Although I have been planning ripples all day long. Um, all right. How do people find you?
0: Uh, the best way, Michael O'Brien You can find pause, breathe, reflect there. You can check me out too on LinkedIn and Instagram, but start there at my main website, Michael O'Brien
1: And from there we can
0: connect and have a conversation.
1: And it's O'Brien B R I E N. Correct. Yes, O-B-R-I-E-N,
0: and the app's available in the App Store and Google Play.
1: Go get your app today. It's definitely worth it. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. I have loved this conversation, just as I knew I would. It's always fun to hang out with a fellow IPEC, IPEC graduate, so thank you for being here with us today.
0: Oh, uh, Thanks for having me. It was, it was awesome.
1: Well, I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP.